Join me, Dr. Cathy Weston, for my podcast series, Get a Grip, brought to you by Tooltop Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education. In each podcast, I help unpick some of the trickier questions relating to how we raise children today. How do we talk to children about mental health? How can we make sure our children engage safely with the digital world? Whose responsibility is the mental health education of our children, teachers or parents? These podcasts get me talking and you thinking. I've reached out to today's thought leaders and main researchers in this area and asked them their views on the areas where we need to get a grip. Rachel Lees is a medical research council funded PhD student with the Addiction and Mental Health Group at the University of Bath. Her research is investigating cannabis use disorder, a diagnosis which is given when cannabis use causes distress or impairment to someone's life. Her research is looking at risk factors for developing cannabis use disorder, as well as how we can best support people to reduce their cannabis use. Previously, Rachel worked on Canteen, a large longitudinal experiment looking at the effects of cannabis use in teenagers and adults, run at the Clinical Psychopharmacology Unit at UCL. Well, welcome, Rachel. How are you? Yes, thank you. I'm, I'm good. And how are you? Lovely. Thank you. And what a fascinating topic of research. I have long desired to interview someone with your experience. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And I just wanted to sort of share my own reflections and experience in this area I think sometimes when I go into schools and I give talks, if I ever talk about cannabis use, a lot of ears prick up amongst, in particular, teenage boys. This is just my experience. And at the end of the talk, they'll always come up to me and they want to have a discussion about cannabis use. And often it's about sort of arguing in its favor. That has been my experience in boys' schools traditionally over the years. and. I've also met many young people in their late teens who have really been very badly affected by long-term cannabis use. So this is where my interest comes from. And thirdly, I've met many parents who have really struggled to, to get a good grip on what they should be doing, saying, how they should respond when their teenager starts using cannabis how they can best support them. And I think we just want to bring some clarity to those areas. Is that okay? Yeah, I mean, that sounds great. And a lot of those things that you've described there are also things that I've experienced similar things. I've also been into schools to discuss this topic. One of the things that strikes me is it's actually often quite difficult to get into schools to talk about cannabis use because it can be such a kind of controversial topic. So yeah, I think it's a really good conversation to to have. And I think it would be great to, to discuss these things. And yeah, like you said, hopefully get a bit more clarity. Well, you and I know cannabis is very popular with adolescents. I think in England, 19.3% of 15-year-olds have used cannabis in the last year and 22.5% have used it in their lifetime. I think that was data from NHS Digital Tell us a little bit about the rates of of use of this drug in the UK as far as you see it. Well, yeah, similar to what you've just said, and that's kind of reflective across most of Europe. It's looking at around kind of 
20% of young people have used cannabis kind of in the past year, at least once. Less so, it's more about kind of 10%, I think, that would have used within the last month. That's a decent proportion of, of people that represents about 10 million young adults across Europe using cannabis. And it reflects in we see when we look at treatment data, so people that are accessing treatment support services in the UK, it's around 88% of young people in, in drug treatment that say they have a problem with their cannabis use. So there's this real need for an understanding around the effects of cannabis use in young people. And it looks like those figures might even be kind of rising in the past few years. So more and more teenagers are entering treatment in the UK for their cannabis use problems. And Rachel, what do we know about age of onset? What, what's going on at the beginning of this journey, you know, relationship with cannabis? What you find with thinking about almost all of the kind of negative outcomes that might come from cannabis use is that the earlier the age of onset of kind of initial use, the more likely someone is to, to potentially progress to problems related to their use. So there's a lot of reasons why that might be the case that isn't necessarily just based on the cannabis use itself. So, for example, the people who are more likely to use cannabis earlier in life might also be more likely to have had stressful or traumatic experiences early on in their life or potentially more likely to have other mental health problems going on. So it's not it's not a clear cut kind of association between early onset of use and problems but you do see that people's risk for developing things like cannabis use disorder, which I'm sure we'll talk about, as well as other mental health problems, it does seem to always be elevated in people who started using cannabis at the earliest age. And Rachel, what do we know about um, gender differences? I've, I, I've only, you know, because I worked in prisons for a long time and as a probation officer, I only ever came across young men who used cannabis, but I'm sure that's obviously not accurate. Uh, do you know anything about that? It is overwhelming the men who use cannabis. I think it's something like maybe 70% of users are male. And most of the people in drug treatment for cannabis use are also male. But obviously, that's not to suggest that that young women aren't using cannabis. And through my experience, especially working on Canteen, we made an active effort to make sure we were including females in the in the study and so I've met many many young cannabis using girls and I think we need more data on the potential gender or sex effects of cannabis use but yes there, there are more more men and boys using cannabis uh, than than women and Rachel with something like alcohol for example you know we know that it's actually parents who are giving young people their first drink where are young people getting access to cannabis? Do you know anything about those sort of entry routes in, into cannabis use? I think that's a really important factor. And it's not something that I've looked at in too much detail myself. But from talking to young people using cannabis, it's predominantly from a friend that's selling it. So in some instances, it is also from parents and from family members. But I think that's relatively rarer than, like you say, alcohol, which is that's the, the norm of how someone tries alcohol for the first time. So it's predominantly through a friend who, who offers it to them. And tell us a little bit, when we talk about cannabis, something I'm sure you are expert in and you've heard a lot, is people say, well, you know, it's not really, it's not really the same as it was, you know, back in 1967. You know, 
people are a bit confused about what we actually mean by cannabis and what the difference is between cannabis and, say, something termed skunk. And a lot of older people are concerned that what they are, you know, smoking these days is much, much more potent and stronger than uh, drugs that they would have used back in the 60s or 70s, for example. Can you just sort of explain what we're actually talking about when we say cannabis? That's a really good consideration. And a lot of that is grounded in truth. So cannabis has been increasing in potency, which means that's the percentage of something called THC in the cannabis. And that's the part of cannabis that's primarily responsible for somebody, you know, feeling high for the kind of psychoactive effects of cannabis. And what's happened over the years is that concentration has gone up and up and up, primarily, I think, due to demand. So people want a product that, you know, is is very effective and very strong. And so this, this concentration has increased. It is a cause for concern, I would say. The increase in potency has been associated with increased risk for most, again, most of the harms that kind of can come from cannabis use, including cannabis use disorder, as well as things like anxiety and psychosis. Those have all been linked to increased levels of, of the THC content in cannabis. And yet on that particular note, I've lost count of how many young men tell me that cannabis relaxes them, de-stresses them, and they would say something that's sort of a, a counterintuitive approach as far as they're concerned, you know, that it's anxiety inducing or that it would make them more agitated, etc. Yes, that's the other um, thing that's kind of difficult to pick apart with cannabis. But it, I think it's fair to say that it does affect people differently. So a lot of people do say they use cannabis in order to reduce their anxiety or to cope with symptoms of mental health. And I think the research isn't saying that 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 couldn't possibly be the case. But you have to imagine the kind of potential repeated exposure over time, whilst it might feel like it's helping in the short term, I can liken this to something like tobacco and smoking cigarettes, where people say that they smoke to reduce their anxiety. But actually, you do see that in the long term, smokers have higher levels of anxiety than non-smokers. And it might be that something similar to that happens with with cannabis use as well. Now let's get to the bottom of the effects of cannabis because I've lost count as well of how many arguments I've been in with young people who say it's not that bad or there seemed to be a quite a lot of ambiguity about this issue of impact. And yet in one of the psychiatric journals last year, one of the quotations which I've pulled out is that the regular use of cannabis during adolescence is of profound concern as use in this age group is associated with an increased likelihood of deleterious consequences, diminished scholastic achievement, lower degree attainment, school abandonment, liability to addiction, early onset of psychosis and neuropsychological decline. Yet, there is some ambiguity in this area, isn't there? Yes, I mean, that's quite the quote, isn't it? And it's, it's not necessarily to say that that's not the case. I think that's quite a strongly worded summary. When you look at the evidence, firstly, it's really very hard to establish things like causality when you're researching something like cannabis use and mental health, for example. It's really hard to do studies that could conclusively tell you that cannabis use, you know, definitely does result in increased psychiatric disorders. What we see from a picture of lots of different research studies 
is that, yes, it definitely does seem as though cannabis use, and especially in the teenage years, it does increase the risk of a lot of negative outcomes. But it's perhaps not a necessarily clear-cut picture of how much that risk is increased, of how much that risk is relevant to each individual user. And I think especially the kind of adolescent-specific vulnerability kind of hypothesis, there is a lack of direct comparisons between young users and older users to really support that very strong assertion that teenage use is definitely more risky than adult use. But there does seem to be consensus about the sort of negative impact of cannabis use on the developing brain's plasticity. That seems to be a bit more concrete. So this is something I've spoken about when I go into schools. I've, I've talked about this kind of the brain still being in a period of lots of development over the teenage years and the impact of cannabis use. It definitely makes sense intuitively that that impacts on or could impact on brain development but I would say I think it's still we're still piecing together the, the research based on this. And I wouldn't say to, to anyone who's worried maybe about a young person in their life that's using cannabis, I wouldn't kind of suggest that, you know, if their, their brain is definitely going to be impacted, sort of the development into the future or anything like that. I think it's too early to make strong kind of conclusive statements about the effect of cannabis on the developing brain. But I think so what we can conclude, which parents can take away, is that it's stronger than it used to be in terms of, you know, what they're actually smoking. But secondly, that it does increase the likelihood of other mental health issues and problems. Yes, definitely. And and my main research interest is in cannabis use disorder, which is where someone's use is kind of impacting on their functioning, perhaps in daily life, or their ability to meet their responsibilities, amongst other kind of symptoms. And there does seem to be a, a clear picture emerging that adolescent use of cannabis, in particular, is more likely to lead to those kind of problems than, than adult use. So I would say that's something that I don't know in your experience, but I would say things like cannabis use disorder, things like dependence, often isn't kind of dominating the conversation around cannabis use. It is more of a discussion about other mental health problems. And something I'd like to raise the, uh, the profile of, I guess, is cannabis use disorder and these increased rates that we see in teenage cannabis users. So, Rachel, what's the sort of definition of what is the symptomology of cannabis use disorder? Well, there's 11 primary symptoms that someone might be looking out for when kind of interviewing or diagnosing someone and they, they mainly relate, as I said, to impairments in functioning in someone's life that are based on, sorry, that are to do with cannabis use. So that can range from things like someone using just more cannabis or for a longer period of time than intended. So sort of struggling with controlling their cannabis use. Also things like withdrawal symptoms. So often that's not something that I think people associate with cannabis use, but when someone does use heavily and frequently and then they stop, it is quite common that they would experience things like irritability, like anger, as well as things like increased anxiety or restlessness, things like that. And that's a, a sign of someone having cannabis use disorder and that that person might really benefit from some kind of intervention or support to reduce their cannabis use safely. And I think I read in your, your journal article published very recently in the Psychosocial Medicine Journal, 
that the demand for cannabis use disorder help treatment is increasing in almost every region of the world. Yeah, the demand is is really, really increasing. I think in Europe, we've seen a 76% increase over the past, I think, 10 or 15 years of people in, in treatment or seeking out treatment for cannabis use problems specifically. And I think people really don't think about that. I think that's shocking when I tell people about that. They don't think of cannabis as being associated with needing formal treatment or, you know, even addiction. I think people just don't pair that up with cannabis use. But it's very clearly, when you look at those research statistics, it's very clearly a kind of growing issue that means that we need to be taking this seriously for for cannabis users, especially for young people. I think this is one of those things to really crucially make clear that using cannabis isn't just a harmless kind of drug. It is something that can lead to serious consequences that can last over several years. And I think I, I read that as well, that the, the addiction, is is it stronger in teenagers to cannabis in general than it would be for an adult? I'm not sure about stronger, but I think research has suggested that they might develop things like cannabis use disorder more quickly than an adult would, kind of from their first initiation of use to seeing these symptoms, some of which I've just described. I'm not sure if it's necessarily that they meet more of the symptoms, but that, that could be that could be possible as well. So uh, first of all, I have to ask, is there any sort of general explanation available in the literature as to why the cannabis use, certainly amongst teenagers, has been sort of creeping a little bit back up since 2014? I think in terms of when we look at treatment levels, one thing that has been investigated that we've spoken about earlier on is the increase in strength. So there is some indication that the increase in potency of cannabis products is associated then with a kind of a later increase in people seeking out treatment. But there are obviously lots of explanations for for treatment increases, which could be positive. So it's a good thing that people seek out treatment if they do have problems. So it might be that we're just treating more of the people who have the problem, which is, in my opinion, a very good thing. So it's an unclear kind of situation in, in some senses. So let's talk about what I'm really interested in, which is parenting. And what it, you know, when you come across a 15, 16 year old who uses cannabis and he's perfectly happy with himself, and you know, it's very, very hard to affect change, isn't it? And to persuade someone who's enjoying himself and hanging out with his friends and his partner. And he does, he says he doesn't smoke that much, you know, very hard to intervene at that point with any meaningful intervention. Yes, it it definitely is. And from my kind of experience, as I said, on the research study, I mean, I think the overwhelming majority of people who were using cannabis were very, very positive about its effects in kind of casual conversation. They would be, you know, very full of ways to tell you that it's it's good for them, that it's enjoyable, that they it helps them to relax. And then I might administer a kind of clinical interview of problems and that person's meeting lots of the symptoms of cannabis use disorder. So I think one of the things that it shouldn't be ignored that people enjoy taking drugs sometimes, and that's one of the motivations for why they use it in the first place. I think ignoring that kind of alienates you from that person. You know, they're not going to see you necessarily as a rational or maybe even knowledgeable person in the area. So I think one of the things you you need to do is weigh up with the teenager the, the pros and cons. So listening to 
to them as well as talking, I guess. And yeah, really trying to get to the bottom of whilst they say they're enjoying it and it's just a very casual thing, if you are armed maybe with some of the knowledge of these common problems that can occur, you could maybe ask them about that. You know, do you kind of experience any ill feeling when you don't use cannabis for a while? And have you kind of thought about controlling how much you've used before you've used? Have you thought I'll only have a certain amount and then gone over that boundary kind of again and again? You're trying to get them to think a little bit, oh, maybe I am a little bit more addicted than I'd like to be. Yes, because it it's something addiction doesn't happen overnight. You don't use any drug once and then wake up the next day and you're addicted. It's a slower process. And for the record, it doesn't happen to everybody. I'm not suggesting that it, every cannabis user will be addicted to cannabis, but it's something that can come on slowly. And I think it's important for people to at least be aware of the kind of symptoms that they might be having a problem so that they can monitor themselves and maybe in a friendship group monitor within themselves, look, is anyone kind of, maybe they started out and they didn't have any of these problems, but actually over the last few months or so, I've noticed X, Y, or Z is occurring. And that's when they know maybe that's a good time to reach out for for help. And what you're describing is very much a sort of a harm reduction approach, isn't it? Yes, yes. And I think harm reduction can sometimes be controversial. And of course, the safest way to use cannabis is not to use it at all. And I think it's definitely within parents' right to be worried and concerned if their child is using cannabis. But as you've mentioned already, when you actually get down to a conversation with a teenager who's using cannabis, they might not want to stop. You know, they might passionately not want to stop. And that's where things like harm reduction come in, where you say, okay, we can't kind of stop everybody from using cannabis. So let's give them kind of some tools to be able to use as safely as possible and make it clear to them that they know, you know, who they can reach out to for help and things they can do to help themselves. So it's really about, say you're living with, this is a very common experience of parents, you're living with a 17-year-old who loves to use his cannabis, he's otherwise a good student, he's well-tempered, you know, and basically instead of sort of demanding he doesn't do it anymore, which isn't going to work, you're suggesting perhaps a little bit more of exploring and researching together, just making sure that you don't have any of the symptoms of this cannabis disorder, just keeping an eye out for other symptoms, making sure they have regular chats with their doctor. So you're trying to really just be there, be as close as possible to them so that you're not sort of alienating them. Yeah, exactly. I think the description of the young person that you described is actually really accurate. It's it's not that someone uses cannabis and then necessarily, you know, struggles with school or is falling out with all of their family or isn't a nice person. It's much more kind of nuanced than that. And I think it's much better if you can to avoid kind of scare tactics or kind of coming in too heavy handed about these kind of issues, because especially nowadays, information about drugs is out there, you know, quite easily available online. And if you kind of exaggerate the potential harms of of cannabis, I think, as I said before, you're not going to be seen as this kind of reliable source of information, I guess. So whilst it's definitely important to make it clear that cannabis use is not perfectly safe, there are definitely negative outcomes that can come from using cannabis. It's also 
worthwhile bearing in mind that those effects don't happen to everybody. And there are ways that you can make cannabis use safer if someone doesn't want to just cut it out completely. But what what advice would you have, you know, if if you're talking to a classroom of 12-year-olds, how do we help them navigate the inevitable peer pressure that emerges in early teenagehood? And is there any sort of tactics that we could use as a preventative strategy that you would view as optimal at that point? I think that's a really good question. And obviously, preventative action could be more effective than kind of dealing with the problems when they do eventually happen. Something I'm trying to look into with some of my analyses currently is whether there are factors that occur before even the initiation of cannabis use that might make someone more likely to kind of develop problems after use. So I think going in with research, firstly, I think being research focused is very helpful. I think having a, as I said before, a heavy handed kind of scare tactic might work before people are offered cannabis. But once they are offered it and that peer pressure is there and they potentially actually see their peers not necessarily kind of becoming addicted, like I said, after one try, it's much better in that instance for them to be armed with kind of more research knowledge than it is to necessarily have been scared witless about cannabis, basically. So I think if you could sit down with those 12-year-olds and treat them kind of as a mature kind of young person and explain that cannabis use in some people can cause, sorry, or at least can contribute towards things like anxiety and depression and psychosis. And it's very difficult to know if you will be that person that that is more likely to happen to. You know, there's kind of invisible factors at play that we can't figure out for every single person. So I think, I guess, giving them that knowledge that there is a risk to using cannabis hopefully, yeah, might might help once they did reach that stage. And I mean, some people are using cannabis by age 12 already. Absolutely. And I think I, I like the metaphor of kind of the lottery. I don't think ch- children can be quite self-protective when they're young and they don't like the idea that it could be them. And I think it's it's interesting, isn't it? It's just about getting just the right message in at just the right time in terms of prevention. But the other thing that I have to say that I've noticed in my experience is that often, not always, obviously, but sometimes in the home of a teenager who smokes cannabis, you'll find an adult who smokes cannabis. And that was always my experience when I when I did a lot of research in this area. Is that something that was just a sort of a false impression on my part? I've come across that as well, but I would say, I guess anecdotally, I don't think that's usually the case that someone in in the house uses cannabis as well. But it certainly does happen, possibly more than than people think. It's you know that the home environment is really important for for shaping people's opinions on on kind of everything. So it doesn't surprise me that potentially if an adult in the house uses cannabis, that the child might be more likely to. But I certainly think probably in in most cases that that isn't the case. Do you think that when you're trying to help your child stop using cannabis that it doesn't help if you two are using it? (laughs) You know, just just to get it out there. Rachel, in terms of speaking to young people, you know, making sure that the cannabis using teenagers say in our homes have access to the best quality information, which of course is very important. What would you say if you were parenting that teenager, what are the best websites or resources that you would very much like them to associate themselves with? I mean, 
ideally, it would be great if everyone could just have access to scientific information, you know, journal papers and things like that. And I do find it very sad that that's often or almost always not the case. But some really useful information sources that I've come across, even the the NHS website, especially for, for parents, there's some really good practical advice in there. And I also like the Frank, the Talk to Frank website, that there's not kind of a bias there. It's just factual information about drug use. Another nice thing about the Talk to Frank website is there's a place that you can put in your postcode on that website and it will bring up all of the local drug services in your area. So if it was that the young person maybe did actually need some more professional support, it's then really easy there to see who you could get in contact with that's local to you. So I think that's a fantastic resource. And Rachel, a question that we had for you from one of our parents was about whether it's a good idea to make sure your child has someone to talk to the whole time, you know, when they're using cannabis. So not just waiting to see a counsellor when big, big problems arise, but is it a good idea to check in with someone like, with an organisation like Frank regularly? I think so, yeah. I think, obviously, yeah, some sort of professional services, it's not appropriate to to be at those if you are just kind of have used cannabis once or sort of a handful of times and you're not having problems. But as I said before, I think self-monitoring and peer monitoring is important. And I think I know there's advice hotlines and, and things like that that you can call that would be appropriate to to just check in on on your drug use, potentially just speaking to someone who isn't maybe in your friend group or your family about your use might help you to potentially even reveal, mm, actually, I, I am maybe struggling about this in, in ways I hadn't recognised before. I think a lot of schools have drug and alcohol counsellors as well, which I do think it's a really good idea to, to kind of be hearing about the research and be wary of use even before these big problems might arise. As we said, prevention is, is better than cure. And just a final message for head teachers, anyone in charge of leading a school or in charge of pastoral care in a school, what would you love to see happen in schools that maybe isn't happening as much these days? What I would love, I mean, this is possibly from a very personal, almost selfish lens, is I would love for researchers to be able to come into schools a bit more easily than it is now to be able to discuss the latest evidence There is often a worry, obviously, of course, with a stranger, a strange academic coming into a school environment. You don't know what they might say. You know, it's potentially less controlled than the kind of drugs modules that they might have in in PHSE or something. But I think there, there are a lot of really, really important messages out there that are currently buried in scientific journals that aren't making it to these people who would benefit most from from hearing about those messages So that for me, it would be to try and be open to to academics and mental health professionals coming in and talking about these. It is controversial to talk about drugs, but you really do need to have that conversation because it's it's just going to, to be far better in the long term to have the awkward, difficult discussion than to leave these young people to find their facts on social media or, you know, from from rumors and and gossip and, and things like that. Absolutely. And we are singing from the same hymn sheet because I'm (laughs) passionate about this podcast we will be sharing amongst our school communities. So, you know, we will try our very best. If you ever wanted to give a webinar on this topic with me, Rachel, in secondary schools, we can do it because I think 
it's really important that both parents and teenagers get access to the highest quality advice. Yes, that's what I, that's why I'm so happy when you approach me about this podcast. It does seem like we're definitely, yeah, tackling the same battles. And that sounds fantastic. So Rachel, very finally, tell us just a tiny bit about what you're doing right now, what you're working on, what you're excited about, if you've got any publications that you'd like to highlight. Hmm. So I've recently published, as you mentioned earlier on, a review of the different types of treatment options that are out there for, for reducing cannabis use. I'm currently also writing something a bit similar, directly aimed towards teenage cannabis use and what kind of treatments and support options seem the best for younger people as well. So I'm really excited to try and share the evidence base a little bit on on that. I'm also looking at a cannabinoid called cannabidiol, which has recently kind of exploded on the UK high street. And I'm investigating some, some results that we have looking at the effect that cannabidiol might have on things like cognition. So that's what I'm really excited about coming up. Well, aren't you doing amazing work? And thank you so much for all the work that you're doing on behalf of parents and teachers and school leaders everywhere, Rachel. Thank you so much. And we really hope to get you back on again to talk about all the progress that you make in those areas. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice to talk to you. Thank you. This Get a Grip podcast is brought to you by Tooled Up Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education www.tooledupeducation.com. Parents and teachers in Tooled Up schools can also access notes accompanying each podcast available to read and download from the Tooled Up site. <laughs>